Hi, everybody. Welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Malay. And I'm Blair. Here we are. Today, we are over-enunciating. <laughs> Y'all, we're back. I just got back. I've been here. <laughs> they don't know we've been missing. That's true. Molly, where you been? Where did you go and neglect me? I got to travel for a couple weeks to Budapest for a show. 15 days. I wasn't counting. She's not wrong. And now we're back and recording, and we're very excited today to talk about... How to fight. And I know that sounds bananas, but it's mostly teaching our kids how to have a conflict and how to resolve that conflict. Because in life, this just in, you're not always going to get along with everybody. Listen. (laughs) Every minute of every day. You're not going to do it. Like me, I don't like most people. (laughs) And you want to fight most people that you see. So I don't know how healthy I'm modeling conflict resolution in my house, but... But it's mostly about what do they see in your home? I mean, you and your husband have, I think, in my opinion, from what I can see, a great relationship. And you're very open with each other. I feel like I have no idea how you guys fight because you don't fight in front of me no matter how often I've asked. Show me how you fight. Show me how you resolve. Pick a fight. Pick a fight. fight, Pick a fight. Come on. (laughs) I pop some popcorn. (laughs) Open a Coke. Come on, but on a show. Y'all are good. But it is hard because we're not always going to get along with our partners, which is the two people that our kids probably see potentially having a conflict the most, right? And so when we're modeling how to fight, how to have a disagreement, and how to get over or get past that disagreement to be able to move on with our lives in a healthy way, that is what our kids are going to see and learn from. Because as we know, our kids are, oof, they're always looking and listening at all times. Little sponges. I got to tell you, Molly, just recently I switched up my therapist. We've been talking for two minutes. (laughs) And I'm just now admitting to you. You never dropped that you have a new therapist. My mind is blown. I have a new therapist. Holy Moses. Yeah. Terry, she's amazing. Yeah. Listen, this is the thing. This is just for our listeners. Sometimes when you are therapizing yourself, that's a word. Look it up. That's a word. You just, I just found that like I had, I love my old therapist, love her so much, but I just kind of came to like a point where I was like, you know what? I'm not getting what I need to. And we were just kind of going around in circles a little bit, found a new one. She's giving me the tools, y'all. And she's helping me actually fight better with my husband because I usually, yeah, I don't fight. That's the thing. I am shut all the lights off, right? Don't come near me. Don't talk to me. You're just going to have to figure out what's going on inside of my brain. Right. And also, I remember this because didn't you and I talk about this in our siblings episode, perhaps? Mm. We were talking about having disagreements, sibling rivalry or sibling disagreements. And you said that sometimes you do have to go to bed angry because wasn't one of the tips. Yeah, don't go to bed angry. Something about, I can't remember which episode it was, but like try not to go to bed angry. Not Blair. But also there was a caveat of like... Also, trying to resolve conflict when you're exhausted at the end of the day and the kids just went to bed may not be healthy as well. So, yes, yes. Pick the timing of your battles. Pick the timing. But I've been better. So I'm learning that actual fighting doesn't necessarily mean like put on your gloves and let's scrap. It's literally just like conflict problem solving and using your mouth and regulating your emotions. Mm, That's my heart. In the moment. (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. And we try not to do it in front of the kids, but if we do, we are minding our mouths, minding our behavior, and really having a conversation as opposed to, you know, yeah, we don't just, we don't yell at each other. 
It's really we both just shut off. It's just an equally unhealthy. (laughs) It's hard. It's so hard because we're also at the same time trying to model or teach for our kids. Yes. Not hiding their feelings. Like we don't want, especially Mm -hmm. in my household, I have one boy, six-year-old boy. I'm trying to make sure he knows that his emotions are valid no matter what they are, including anger. So it's this funny thing of like, are we asking our kids to swallow their emotions when for the past six years I've been telling him you have to let your feelings flow through you like a river. So let that let it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's so hard, that balance. I think it's also too for me, as you were saying that it's like I'm constantly as a parent constantly putting together that what I say doesn't necessarily resonate with them. Like you mean the words themselves? Yeah. Just because I'm saying it doesn't mean that they're getting it, right? Just because I'm saying and I'm being, I could be very thorough. I could do my very best. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get it. How they're going to get it is what I'm doing. Modeling. Right. Modeling. And they are watching. And in doing the research for this, the thing that came up the most And I got most of my information from the Child Mind website, childmind.org, teaching kids how to deal with conflict. And they say, and a lot of other places, that part of what makes conflict difficult to navigate with your kid is the way that brings out big, intense emotions that children don't have the tools to process. And allegedly we do. What? Who? Huh? And that's the thing too, like, a lot of adults also don't have the tools. Right. <laughs> we're just like, we're trying to teach and regulate these big emotions coming at us whilst also trying to teach and regulate the big emotions that are coming out of the little people that we once were, that never were taught or never figured it out or processed it. And again, in us modeling how we deal with conflict, deal with disagreements with our partners or our friends or the other kids in the house. Now our children are, have, they have the big intense emotions. If they're fighting with their sibling, if they're fighting with their best friend on the playground over who's going to be it or whatever, now we're talking about two big emotion-producing, non-regulated humans trying to figure it out. It's big. And it's such a, in reading through this stuff, I was just like, oh, this is like, such a huge part of the foundation of who they will be, right? How they manage their emotions and how they're able to communicate effectively with other people in their lives, throughout their lives, in their relationships. Like the foundation is now and I am responsible. (laughs) Well, like you said, I like the idea of furnishing them with tools. Like you said, your new therapist is, which I'm still reeling over this revelation. No, it's fine. It's fine. We'll talk about it after. About hiding things from each other as partners. Are we having a conflict right now? (laughs) Are we in a fight? (laughs) Oh, we're modeling right now. But we're breathing. We're going to be talking about the tools that we can use during this conflict of whether or not Blair is being honest with me about her therapist situation. So it is about learning the tools that we're going to hopefully pass on. But it is a lot of it is showing our children us using those tools. You know who talks about that too, It is really helpful to me when she says it. I'm sure many of you have heard of this wonderful Dr. Becky at Good Inside. And she talks about when you and your kid are having big feelings and you you need a minute 
to step aside and to just let them know I'm feeling big feelings right now. I'll be right back, but I need to take a minute to make sure that I'm breathing and that I'm letting my feelings flow through me like a river. She didn't say that. I got that from somewhere else. But like, I'm going to go do this thing. So she kind of, you're narrating to them that you, in fact, are using the tools that you hope that they use as well. And I feel like that's kind of part of this too. I'm so aware of my son when my husband and I are having conflicts. I think we're the same way as you, Blair. We're like, we don't have big screaming matches usually. I remember the last one we had. This just in, it was April 2020. So we were home for a month. Yeah. (laughs) Yo. And that was the last time that we had an elevated disagreement and our kid was there, which was like wild. It never elevated to a point where... Anybody got, you know, even emotionally hurt much. We don't elevate to physicality, but like elevating as far as our voices, the things we're saying to each other, which are maybe not what we would normally say to each other under normal circumstances, but our emotions were in control. We weren't in control anymore. And I remember it so distinctly because it's really not part of what we do and certainly not in front of the kids, but everybody fights differently. So what can we do to help our kids be good continue to be good people, even though they're not good fighters. I think they're good liars. I was like, that is not what we're talking about. Well, here's the good thing is that there are, I found like one, two, three, four, like four good steps that will go in like in detail to help model good behavior and to help these kids with their big emotions process conflict healthily. Right. That's great. And listen, speaking of processing conflict, listen, listeners, you might hear some giggling in the background this episode. As we all know, there is so much going around in schools right now that at any point that we are doing our podcast these days, either I have my kid home or Blair has one of her two kids home and her son is watching Alien TV. Sidebar, hilarious if you haven't seen it. So funny. So if you hear some giggling, just you know that we are living the good life just like you. We are. This is a a documentary of our lives. This is how it really is. And he's really into it. It's very funny to him. Oh, I love it. I love it. So we'll just enjoy that giggling in the background, which I truly do. Boy, does he have a good giggle, Blair? He's got a good one. He's got a good one. All right. So you found like four kind of like hot tips. Oh, you know what? Oh, let's go to break and we'll get into those when we get back. Stick Stick around. around. It's January, and for me, that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root, and right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan-vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions, and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Toddler to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. 
Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hi, we're back on Toddler Perks. I almost said Poddler Turks. We've said that many times. We have. My dad calls that balking tackwards. Because <laughs> you're not really talking backwards, but you are just flipping the first two letters. It's funny every time. Flipping it. It's hilarious. Flipping it. Hilarious. Smack it up, flip it, rub it down. <laughs> Let's get into it. So first things first, identify what the problem is, right? So if you got like, if you and your kid are going at it or your kid is going at it with a sibling or something's happened at school... First things first, identify the problem. You have to clearly identify what it is they're feeling, not the facts. Listen, because if it's coming, I know this for a fact, if it's coming from my three-year-old, a lot of facts are going to be real scribble scrambled, as she says, scribble scrambled. Yeah. So you want to clearly identify what it is that they're feeling. So Stephanie Lee, a child psychologist at the Child Mind Institute and Carrie Weirly, a clinical social worker at the Child Mind Institute, recommend using visual tools. So one, the visual emo chart. You know, like they have these at, at the doctor's office. Oh, like, the doctor's office. Yes. Yeah. Like this pain scale, same thing. Like, but like imagine just like instead of just like a really sad face, like a hot face, like real hot. And you can say to your kid, like, how are you feeling on a scale of like these faces? Like, what are you feeling? And that's something I think you can find online. We also, somebody gave us as a gift, a little like flip book almost, not a flip book, but it had like a spiral on the top and they can flip to with the emotion that they're feeling. There's also a red light, yellow light, green light. So it's like red light, I don't want to talk about it. Yellow light, give me a little bit. Or green light, yes, I'm ready to talk about it. Oh, that's really fun. I like that. And then there's this thing called the emo thermometer. These are all the same things, but it's just like a thermometer. If it's hot at the top, let's not talk about it yet. If it's low at the bottom, let's give it a go. Ready to talk about it. Anyway, can, can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. So how do we use those? Like we're asking our child to kind of like point to the picture or we're asking our child. Mm-hmm. So it's really whatever of those three tool suggestions work for you or work for your kid to identify how they're feeling on that scale. And you don't have to necessarily have to like bring your chart with you, you know, make sure you know, if, you, <laughs> if your kid gets hot, just be like, where is that dad gone? You know, just, you know, you could also reference it. But the main thing is, is that if it's red, if any time your child is too hot, let it simmer. Don't try to tackle the issue immediately. Wait for things to calm down. That also works as adult. This just it. Like, don't come at me when I'm hot because you're going to feel the burn. <laughs> the heat. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And kids are the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Give me a minute to breathe. And tell them, too. I think it's like important to be like, okay, you're hot. Cool. I'm going to give you some time to simmer down. And when you're ready, like, let's talk. And it doesn't matter. Like, sometimes, you know, you want to like get it over with. But I think that giving them the chance to be like, I don't want to talk about this for however long I need to. Right. Give them time. Can I ask a question? I love this idea of this tool. But what do you do when it's in the middle of it? Like you're seeing your kid having a conflict, say, on the playground or in their bedroom that they share with their little sister or whatever it is. Are we removing our kid from that first and asking him or her where they are on the scale? If I didn't play a doctor on TV as much as I have. I think this is more of like when it's after the fact. But if you are pulling your kid from it, let it cool. Regardless, like I think in the middle of a conflict, it's going to be hot no matter what. Yeah. I'm thinking about my son and he's six and he... 
gets along with most kids pretty well, but I can kind of see. He mostly turns to me and runs over to me crying still because he just turned six. He's still pretty little. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it, too, is that it's not like two, three-year-olds are going to get into fisticuffs on the, over the slide, are they? It's mostly going to be hurt feelings and that kind of thing. Yeah. And this, too, is more for like when the dust has settled a little bit mm-hmm. and you're talking about what the conflict was about. Like, how did it make you feel? I was super, super hot. I still am, right? Or I felt this. I'm this now, but I felt like this. What did that feel like? That kind of thing. Oh, totally. Like when your kid gets in the car after school and they had a conflict when you weren't present. Yes, 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 yes. Got it. Got it. That's a good idea. I love that. I love the idea of the chart. Right. To to ask them where they, how they are now, how they felt during it. That's, I love that. That's a great visual. And it's all about identifying because that's like the one thing that kids can't do necessarily is identify. They don't have the words, but if you give them the visuals and it's like that. Yeah. That face right there, that is how I felt. Yes, I love that. The second thing you want to do is find the source. Sometimes kids, especially younger ones, don't have the emotional awareness to identify the original source of the conflict. You mean now we're talking facts, like who started it? Yeah, got it, got it. Now we're talking facts. Who started it? What is this really about, right? What is this really? Is this really about you not wanting to finish your breakfast or are you just tired, right? They might need your help to understand why they're fighting. Figuring out what's the actual cause of the fight is essential for easier resolve. And for me, I think that, you know, we're getting so woke to, we say this so many times on the pod that like, we're getting so woke to all of the ways that we need to like parent better (laughs) and to treat. I know it's parenting us. Yeah. Yeah. Parenting. Yeah. We're just parenting ourselves and just like treating children like little human beings. But I think that in all of this, and this is just my own personal opinion, that I just think that this gives kids the ownership of their feelings, right? Like when they're able to identify it, when you're helping them figure out what the source of it is, it's like, oh, it's like this understanding to own things which only leads them to have the courage to stand up for themselves when they are in a quote unquote fight or when there is a conflict, you know? And I feel like that's something that I didn't have growing up. So I like avoided. (laughs) I'm still real good at it. Oh, if you could write me a check for how uh, passive aggressive I can be to avoid any and all conflict. (laughs) That'd be great. Millions. Millions of dollars, people. (laughs) But I think that, you know what I mean? Like, I think that it's like you give your kid the ownership of their feelings. Yeah. And when you own something, you don't apologize for it. Yeah. Because we've already said it's okay to have any feeling. Yeah. Feelings are natural. Everyone, even anger, even sadness, even, you know, jealousy, all these things that we feel are very human. So we got identifying the emotions. We found the source of the conflict. If they can even remember because they got tiny, tiny brains, they might have forgotten already. Because they got teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny brains. But you're going to help them get in there and figure out the original, the OG source of this fight. Now we want to get into finding solutions, right? So this is about making the best effort, solving the problem perfectly. We're just making our best effort. We're not figuring it out perfectly on how we're going to do this, right? How we're going to quote unquote, we can't quote unquote fix this. We're going to fix, exactly. We don't have expectations of fixing it. We can't. How could you? Most of the time, we can't fix it. Think about, oh my God, 
my three-year-old has just entered the really super disagreeable stage and the I don't want to. <gasps> with my son, it was mild. With my daughter, holy shocking. Oh, Molly. It turns out Blair has a cap on gentle parenting. It lasts about an hour and 23 minutes. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm, got it. And then once the gentle parent hits the hour 23 minute mark, the rage monster takes over. Oh, boy. I feel you. I feel you. I think we all feel you. Oh, gosh. I didn't know. It was one of those things, Molly, where I didn't. She was screaming. She just didn't want to leave. Her brother wasn't feeling well. I needed to get her out of the house for some fresh air. And I said, all right, come with me. She didn't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. She's screaming. I get her into the car. She's screaming. She's kicking the back of my chair. The entire time, Molly, the entire time, I'm like, I know you don't. I understand. And then I would say, I'm done talking about this. I've said that I hear you, but we're outside to get you some fresh air. We're going right back home, okay? So that's where we're landed. An hour and 23 minutes later, I was like, I'm done gentle parenting. I'm done. And I screamed. I'm not going to lie. We were in the car. She's kicking the back of my chair and she's screaming and she's gotten herself out of her seatbelt as well. And I turn around and I go, knock it off. Did that stop her? Did it work? No. I can see Blair's face right now. You cannot see it, but her face is telling me, no, it did not work. It ramped her out. It ramped her up a little bit more. A little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. It's gone both ways for me. Sometimes I get to my breaking point and I yell and it scares the poop out of him. And he, But it generally at least makes him cry. We've talked about this on the pod before. Like I remember when he was really little and I yelled because I needed something to change in the dynamic of that moment. I was like, I need this. I cannot keep the same kind of thing, kicking the back of the chair, screaming, never stopping, never stopping, never stopping. And finally, I'm like, if something's not working, it's not working. And I just lost my ass. And guess what it didn't do? Help. It didn't help. But I got to tell you, though, just like I got it out of my system, it was like cathartic and painfully guilt-ridden at the same time. Because I was like, I needed it. It was bottled up. But what did I just model to her? Keep going, sister. Bottle it up until it breaks you, right? And she's like, noted. Whew. Great. Thank you, mom. I needed that. Let me continue kicking your chair. <laughs> you know? Yes. So I can get another big reaction out of you. Because I know if I do it long enough, I'll get a reaction out of you. Exactly. So it stopped. Eventually it stopped. It stopped and she... Like she turned it off like immediately. It was so weird. Like it lasted for literally two hours and then she just stopped. And I was like, you okay? She's like, yes. What? Can we go get some yogurt? And I was like, what is happening? I'd been beamed to a different planet. But we talked about it later. And part of this is like, again, finding solutions, coming back to it. You can always go back to it, right? Even when you lose your ass. When they lose their ass. Yeah, you taught me that because I had kind of, I forget about that. I forget that when nobody's in the red zone, you can say, hey, I'd love to discuss blah, blah, blah. So that you've reminded me of that in the past and that really has helped me. Yeah. Go back to it when you can actually talk about it. Totally. Now, this is something that, again, uh, Stephanie Lee, the child psychologist from Child Mind Institute, suggests. And this isn't going to necessarily work for a three-year-old. A lot does not work for a three-year-old. But depending on where that three-year-old is in there. Depending where they are in their maturation stage. Their rage stage. Mine is a Beaujolais. She ain't ready. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is a good example, though. It's called problem-solving baseball, right? So you treat it like a baseball game. So when everyone's on green, right, when everyone's kind of like calmed down, come back to it, or if we're still in it, but we're simmered down and we are in a place where we can talk about it. The example is, so first base is, what's my problem? What's going on here? We're on first base. What's the problem? Second base are, what are some potential options to solve what's going on here? Okay. Third base identifies the best option. Of the second base options that you come up with, third base is the best options. And home plate is, am I safe or am I out? Okay. So did I pick the right one that makes me safe or the one that's like going to make this continue or not solve what's going on? The object is to help even very young kids. So it could work on three-year-olds start to understand what's going to get them closest to their goal of problem solving. So this is not in the moment. Like this is like, is this for when we're returning back to have our conversation with the person? Or is this in the moment taking a step back and being like, wait a minute, I need to treat this conversation like baseball. I think it's for definitely after, but I think it's also, it can be in the moment. Again, once everyone's like kind of simmered down a little bit, you know, like we've gotten like the kicking ragefulness out and it's like, we could still be in the like, <laughs> right? We could still be in that. <laughs> you said that I, but you're not yet that one. <laughs> Once we take a couple breaths. I know. I'm so familiar with that stage of. It's so cute, but so annoying at the same time. <laughs> and also kind of heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. It's like, okay, we're past the rage part. And now we're just dealing with the emotions that are left. The shrapnel. The shrapnel. Yeah, we're not quite to the point where we've washed our faces, breathe through it, and can come back to the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're trying. The thing is that they're trying to breathe. Oh, God, they're cute. Oh, it's cute. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was my daughter in the back seat uh, on Sunday. Buddy. I don't want to be here. I don't. <laughs> Neither do I. This just in. <laughs> I don't either. So this is like for... When you pull, like, if your kids are fighting, there's something going on in the playground. When you do pull them and it's like, all right, everybody take a deep breath. Okay, what's the problem? Let's get on first base. Great. What's the problem? Okay. Second base. Okay, everybody ready for second base? All right. Okay. Options for solutions. This is like teacher stuff, right? That we just got to bring into our homes instead Thank of Thank God for like, teachers. We say that every episode. Thank God for teachers. Thank God for teachers. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, but this is it. This is just like bringing that kind of like tangible problem solving into. I love this, especially for siblings. Yes. Or even like my son with his best buddy who they're both incredibly, you know, they have big personalities, big energy. And sometimes it clashes. It usually doesn't. Thank goodness. Because they're, they're running around or they're doing whatever to get it all out. But every, the older they get, the more sort of into who they are going to be, they are becoming, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's less just two kids running around screaming and having a good time. They're like have opinions and thinking through things. And one wants to play with the Pokemon cards and the other one wants to go play tag with the other kids. And they're figuring that all out. And, you know, not that it gets too, too hot, but I did have a sister. I mean, I still have a sister, but I did have a, (laughs) I had a sister when I was younger. She was a little older than me and we would get into it sometimes. And I love the idea of this. I love it. There's another one that this is, I really like this one, is uh, problem solving sticks. And it's jot down ideas on popsicle sticks. Toss them in a jar, and when you're having a hard time coming with up with a solution, open it up for ideas. Now, granted. No kidding. And here's the thing. And At first, I was like, well, what if you have a conflict that you pull out, 
you know, a suggestion that just doesn't even work. That's then that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Actually, no, it works to your benefit because then you can say, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't even pertain to this. Okay, so that's a bad conflict resolver. Okay, so we put that in this pile. Bad idea. So it helps them with critical thinking. God, I'm going to flip a desk, but not from rage this time. Ah, ah. From happiness. That's such a good point. And it also breaks the rhythm of their fight. Yes. That's same as laughing. Same as like, I remember my sister and I would be fighting so hard. My parents would come in. One of us would do something or say something or they would, and it would make us laugh. And then my parents were like waiting for us to stop laughing to continue the fight, but continue the conflict resolution. This just in, once we started laughing, we really didn't need it. Exactly. Because it broke the rhythm of the conflict. So I love that idea. It's tactile. And Molly, that's a great idea. Throw some funny suggestions on your problem solving sticks. And then once they pull it out, then you get a good giggle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's the fuse is is kind of going out a little bit. It's going out a little bit. You just got to turn that corner. Yes. We'll be right back with more hot tips. Stick around. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey, hey, we're back with Tyler Purgatory talking about healthy conflict resolution with your child. Ah, it's so easy. Ah, It's so easy. It's so so easy. It's so easy. Okay, so we talked about the popsicle sticks, which is a really great idea. Put those popsicles, problem-solving sticks in your jar. Pull them out. Yeah. When things are no longer hot, when you're ready to like... Talk about it. Talk about it. Or if it's things are still a little bit hot with, for instance, with two siblings, like we were saying, maybe throw a couple funny ones in there. Yeah. And to diffuse the heat. The tension. <laughs> yeah. Now it's all about like going back on it, right? And thinking about looking at it perspective. And this is like, when I read this, I was like, yes, yes. And so much of all of this has to do with being an, an adult just as much as it does being a kid. But- Think beyond the incident because behavior doesn't define a person entirely. Yeah. How someone is acting. What I know that my three-year-old deep down and even on the surface is a really good kid. And she's actually pretty good at communicating most times. In that moment, she lost it. It was unfun, but I'm not going to hold that against her. 
And this is something that we can tell our kids, too. Just because you and Lightning Bolt had that conflict on the playground today at school doesn't mean you're not friends anymore. Exactly. Because that's the sort of sweeping generalization that I have found my child to make sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He'll say, I don't want so-and-so at my party because last time I was hanging out with him, he said this. And I'm like, oh, you're friends. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have moments when you're not on the same page. If it still bothers you, you should talk to him about it. But if it's not important anymore, then it's okay to go back to remembering, like you just said, that's a great tool to teach them. Your friend is still who they are as a person. You just had an argument about that moment or that somebody's behavior enraged the other person. (laughs) Yeah. And unless it's a pattern of behavior, then it's entirely something else. Maybe you've grown apart. Or maybe it's time to like step away from that relationship. Yeah. Take yourself a break works as adults as well. Yeah. But that also leads you into have your child put themselves in the other person's shoes. <gasps> Empathy. Yep. Empathy. There's that thing. Empathy. And you do this just like with D-Man and his friend. You know, oh, well, what if you did something to him and he said that he didn't want you to come to his party for that one time yeah. that he did X, Y, Z, because Lightning Bolt did X, Y, Z. Codename Lightning Bolt. Yes. code name yeah you wouldn't like that would you someone judging you for one thing yeah i said to my kids once is like how would you feel if i had to tell you over and over and over and over again to put your shoes on and you were in charge of driving me to school and my son looked at me he's like but i don't know how to drive i was like good point but if you did okay this is more about Okay, you know what? Never mind. (laughs) You know what? Forget it. Just get your shoes on. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Encourage your kid to picture themselves in the other person's shoes. For sure. And especially... Or in yours. Because... Yes. Because I was thinking that like the people that they our kids see the most sometimes at certain ages, particularly under the age of five, is us. Mm -hmm. So these conflicts we're talking about, FYI, 70% of the time, and then decreasing as they get older, those conflicts are going to be with us. (laughs) They are. Or their other parent or their other sibling. And then just like all things, it takes practice. So if we're putting this stuff into practice, by the time that we do get to those really big arguments that everybody keeps warning me about, oh, you think this is bad? As the woman UPS said when my child was on her two-hour tantrum. Oh, it only gets worse from here. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. I needed to hear that in this moment, first of all. But it's also like, okay, I hope that when it does get worse, quote unquote, that we have set this healthy conflict resolution into practice enough that we'll be able to talk this out. And it won't look anything like this. And it won't be quote unquote worse. Get out of here with that. Okay. With your unsolicited comments while I am losing my mind and my pits are sweating in the dead of winter because my child is on the floor of UPS screaming. (gasps) Ma'am. It is hard. It's hard when people, they're trying to help. But today, not today, Carol. Not today, Carol. Kick rocks, Carol. Again, (laughs) practice effective communication. Use I statements and avoid accusatory language, right? Like, I feel such and such. Not you made me feel. I feel. Oh, and this is also what we're talking about when we were talking earlier about modeling what you're talking about right now, practicing effective communication, not only teaching them that, but showing them that that's how you resolve conflicts. My dad used to always say that to us. Uh. He used to always say, use I statements. My dad, the psychologist, use I statements when you're talking to someone. I feel blank. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're pointing fingers and nobody likes to have a finger pointed at them. You can write it out or draw it out. 
I know my kid, sometimes when he's a little too hot or he doesn't have the words, Mm -hmm. he likes to draw pictures. And now he's like writing words and sentences and stuff. And that seems to help. And then we talk about what he's drawn and it's really helpful. Yeah. I've seen enough movies about children who are possessed by the devil. (laughs) 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 And they're like, I drew this picture. It's our house. Who's that in the attic? That's my friend, Jeremy. Looks like the devil. Exactly. Yes. Oh. Oh, okay. That's a major plot twist. Uh, All right. First, let me call you, Hall, so we can move. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, great. So have them write it or draw it out because it is hard for kids to be able to, like we're talking about, they don't have the tools yet. Their brains literally aren't developed enough to be able to talk about how they're feeling. And it's hard for adults. So imagine how hard it is for kids. Sheesh. You can also role play with an adult. Act it up, like something that's gone on at school. You know, when your kid gets in the car and it's like, oh, so, you know, so they're still a little hot about it. They're like, so-and-so did this and then this. And then, and then you can say, listen, when we get home, I want to see this. Let's role play it out. Now, you want to do the opposite of what I do, which is I take it a little too far. And I'll be like, all right, yeah, okay, you'll be you. And then I'll be like, so-and-so, I'll be lightning rod. Okay. And then I'll just take it too far. I get a little too committed with my role. You get in a costume. I go get in a costume. What color shirt was he wearing? <laughs> I go into hair and makeup. <laughs> I mean, you get into it. I make sure the stage is set and I get into it. And my kid's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm ready to be lightning rod. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, we used role playing for once. And I think it might have been after one of our episodes was that kids who are brave. One of our early episodes was about kids who are too brave and then kids who are too oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, reserved or what have you. And we used role playing to get my son comfortable with talking to new people on the playground because he often gets pretty shy. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was also because he likes going to the skate park where there's a lot of older kids. And so he got nervous about talking to them. And so, and of course they couldn't be kinder. They're so nice. They're so happy to see a little kid skateboarding and which is what they love and blah, blah, blah. So we practiced him coming up to one of the kids. I played one of the kids on the skate, you know, at the skate park and him saying, Hi, you know, this is my name. What's your name? And I said, all you need is 10 or 15 seconds of bravery. That's it, you know? And he, this was really recently too, maybe a month ago, he went up to this kid who was like 23. Oh. Kid kid to me. Oh, like a college student, maybe 20 years old. And he went up and said, hi, my name is, you know, D. What's your name? And and the kid goes, what? And I was like, oh no. (laughs) And I go, oh no, oh no. But it wasn't a what like, why are you talking to me? It was a what like, I literally didn't hear you because you have a sweet little voice and you're two feet tall. And then my son geared up and said it again. It was so sweet. And the kid was like, oh, hey, buddy, I'm Mike. Aww. And then they chatted. <laughs> Come on. It was so sweet. It was so sweet. But we did role play that at home. And I didn't think at first he was going to be into it. And he really, you know, he did it with me, even though I could see him not roll his eyes at all. But he was sort of like, oh, mom, we don't have to do that. And then we did it. And then he said almost the exact same thing when we were on the skate park. Mm-hmm. Role playing is a really powerful tool. Let them act it out. Give them the opportunity to be in the situation. This is what it might be like. Yeah. So that it looks, this is familiar and this is what it's going to feel like. And you can practice it with me and I'll make you feel just as uncomfortable because I am that good at my job. <laughs> Look, you're a good actor. That's the bottom line. I'm a good actor. Unfortunately, when you role play with me, you're going to get the real deal, son. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's life with a theater artist. Sorry. Sorry, and you're welcome. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So what are the takeaways that we are going to go off into the world with here? So many. So So many, many, Molly. So many. I think remember more than anything, like 
don't let things get out of control. Take a step back, try to calm down since anger makes conflicts more difficult to resolve. This just in. Yeah. So that's something for us to remember and also something for us to tell our kids. Hey, when you go back to school tomorrow, if this thing happens on the playground again, do your best to breathe and take a step back in the moment. And say what the conflict's about. Make sure you have a clear understanding of what's causing the disagreement and clarify what each of the people wants or, you know, what your kid wants, what you want out of this disagreement. Yeah. Think about positive options and what's the fair solution that meets both of your needs. Ugh, That's gosh. hard. That's really hard. That's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. And you might not get it. You might not. And that's the thing too. Like keep an open mind about all this. Like you do your best. Model great behavior <laughs> as best you can. Okay, as much as you can. Model the behavior you want to see. How about that? Model the behavior that you want to see. And just know that it, it may not... Again, just like we said before, this is all about making the best effort, not solving the problem perfectly. Because you're not going to. Yeah. You're never going to. I'd like to add on to that thing that I learned from Dr. Becky too, which is like narrate. Maybe if you're modeling, if you're working on that modeling, you're feeling some emotions that are going to maybe start taking over for your rational mind when you're, when you're having a disagreement with your friend or your mother or your spouse or what have you. Remember that thing of, oh, I'm feeling some really strong emotions right now. I'm going to take a break. Or, ooh, I'm feeling blah, blah, blah. Use those I statements because that models to your kid that when they're in a conflict, when you're not around, Mm -hmm. they can be using I statements. They can be whatever. So like Blair, like you said at the top of the show, sometimes what I say might not get through, but when I show, more showing than saying or or in tandem, then that's how your kids are really going to learn is by seeing it in action. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like you can learn tennis strokes all you want, but it's until you're on the court doing it. You got the racket in hand. That's how you learn is by doing it, you know? And I also have to, I don't know about you, Molly, but I constantly have to tell my son, my six-year-old especially, when he gets frustrated about things, I'm like, this takes practice, man. You're not going to put, he's especially like into drawing things. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to put pen in hand and get it the first draw. Like that's not, you have to practice. And this is like, all of this is practice. Yeah. All of this takes deep, conscious, respectful practice. Yeah. It's funny. We, um, my son and I did a art workshop. Did I tell you about this? Over like sort of near Halloween, we did, um, they're called sugar skulls. They're the decorative skulls from Dia oh. de los Muertos. At our local art studio, which we love. And, you know, I looked at the photographs of it and I had seen them and, you know, deep into my mid to late 40s. And so I've had a lot of practice with making stuff or whatever. (laughs) Not that I'm a terrific artist or anything, but, you know, I just have adult, you know, experience. And so yesterday he said he looked at my skull, which is still out because we haven't transitioned to Christmas yet. And okay, it's all right. (laughs) And he said, oh, I, I said, I love this mama. And I said, thank you, babes. That's really nice. That makes me feel good to hear you say that. And he said, it's much better than mine. And his looks like a six-year-old did it, because guess what? He's six. Yeah. And I said, oh, my gosh, no. I said, oh, I love... I said, your feelings are wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I negated his... Boo! Nope. <laughs> no, I said, oh, I can understand when you look at my skull how you might feel that way. I said, but I got to tell you something. And, you know, I've just had a lot of practice. And the more you practice, too, the more blah, 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 same kind of thing. And Blair, you're absolutely right. It's the same thing as practicing basketball, practicing art, practicing anything. Uh, regulation of emotions and conflict resolution are muscles. They're emotional muscles that we all need to practice. Yes. With yes. And keep strong. We can't just 
I don't know. I think it's because it's just so human because they, they spill out of us so naturally. I think that it's so human of us to think that we can regulate it, that we can like figure it out, that we can process it, right? Because it's just so natural and human, but it's not. And we have to learn all of these things and put them into really good practice. And I got to say that like motherhood has really helped me with that, you know, just figuring out my own emotions, how to regulate my own emotions, how to care for the little Blair that didn't necessarily get these tools. And it's worth it when you can see the work that you're putting in to have emotionally stable, intelligent, healthy humans. It's worth it to see when it comes out. Yeah. It ain't easy. (sighs) It ain't easy. (laughs) Thank you all so much for being here. We're all going to be practicing modeling as much as we can, healthy conflict resolution, while also giving our kids the tools for their own conflicts to put into practice that healthy conflict resolution as well. Thanks so much for being here. Go to toddlerpurgatory.com, check out some old episodes, leave us a note, say hi, all that stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Take it easy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. 